What's up, Dialed fam? Coach Derek here, the owner and operator of Dialed Health. And I'm super excited about this podcast today because a lot has happened in 2022, and I really want to break it down specifically for the Dialed fam that has been following the journey of myself and Dialed Health over the last year and beyond. Because there have been an insane amount of transitions through this year, all really for the better. And I would say that if there are some negative things that I'm gonna talk about in here, there's been so much learned from it that I'm grateful for the experience. But this whole idea of the episode came about because I started thinking about my goals for 2023 and I realized that I did lack some clarity. So I had to go back into what I've done recently and what I've learned recently to sort of direct what I truly want. Because I started writing down some goals that they're the things you don't really care about, but they sound nice. You know, I started writing them down like, well, that would be nice, but that's going to take a lot of work. And do I really care that much? And so this process of analyzing the good, the bad and the ugly from 2022 is what is helping me. I, I, I think it's going to help me have a more successful 2023. I can already tell my goals are a little bit more clear. They're more specific and they're things that I actually care about. And we're going to dive into those things specifically at the end of the episode, along with things that I learned uh, point by point. But I really wrote down things in a chronological order, but everything's tied together. So I know as soon as I start getting into it, I'm going to be pulling stuff from all over the map. So bear with me on that. Also, I'm not having this podcast, I'd say, professionally edited. I'm just doing very minor editing. I am on a nicer mic. Hopefully the audio sounds pretty good. And I've learned quite a bit of editing with video where I can at least get this out to you guys and bring you up to speed on what the heck is going on. So please bear with me if there's a little lower quality if you notice me stumbling over my words i'm not going to stress about it i'm just going to keep it rolling okay this is going to be like sit down with derek 101 let's chill and have a very selfish conversation because you're not going to be allowed to talk <laughs> you just have to listen <laughs> so anyways uh let's oh you know what before we dive into this i do have an announcement the dialed health shred is going down it is happening you guys january 2nd we are doing the dialed health shred Stay tuned for more information on it. I'm actually getting things together for it now. And my goal is to be able to launch these signups and give you all the information you need to get started right after Christmas. But just know it's going to go from January 2nd to January 31st. And now I have a big burp. Hang tight. I have a feeling it's uh, the cup of egg whites I had uh, previously before uh, airing this. So let's dive into this. What the heck happened last year in 2022? Uh, first off, when I started writing this down, I could not believe that some of this stuff was within a year ago. Uh, events I did like Belgian Waffle Ride in May, they feel like they were honestly two years ago or the Y Rides, if anyone followed those YouTube videos that we put out earlier this year. It is, it's crazy to think about from not even having the app in the app store. So it, it is wild. I mean, I think if you guys do this process of thinking, okay, what happened in January? What happened in February? What happened in March? Maybe you'll be like me and be actually amazed at how much you did. Uh, or maybe you'll realize you didn't do very much and you need to step it up. <laughs> so uh, it, it could go either way. But this is a, this was an awesome activity. And um, I, coming into January, I had to think about where my mindset was for the start of the year. Because at the end of 2021, I received, it was like in November, uh, some investment money so that I could build a team and get the app started. And for me at the time, I was so stoked because, you know, I'm, I'm getting more business than I can handle. I'm trying to do all these jobs 
that for one, I don't understand how to do some of them, but I also am just doing too much. You know, I'm, I'm not focused, I'm all over the place. And I still feel like that now to an extent, but you know, at the end of 2021, the thing I felt like I needed the most was more time or more help and just more money in general. And I think most entrepreneurs get to a point where they're just like, dude, that's all I need is just more money. If I had more money, I could do this. So coming into the year, I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's build a team. Let's do these big uh, marketing projects and let's get this app going. So that's how we started the year. And it was cool because I had a lot of great people start surrounding me. Uh, freelancers I was working with at the time, I was able to, to start paying them more uh, and just get more frequent content moving. And that did make a difference for sure. I was starting to get professional editing with the podcast. Uh, newsletters were dropping weekly with uh, really good graphics and links. And uh, we were getting transcriptions of the podcast on blog posts. And there's all these like layers to a full marketing effort that truthfully cost a lot of money. I mean, you can fulfill a, like a full-time role with any one of these uh, it's actually multiple full-time roles depending on how big your business gets. And I think if you guys want a great example of some marketing inspiration that I use currently, I would look at Bear Performance Nutrition. When you sign up for the newsletter, when you start purchasing their product, when you start, uh, by the way, I'll put a link in the description so you guys could use my link if you want. But when you start going down their rabbit hole of content and all the layers of things that they put out for their community, it's, it's unreal, like honestly. And that was something I was kind of trying to emulate, but I realized I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, if you're, first off, if you're paying someone $2,000 a month, most likely that's not gonna be enough salary for them to really live. <laughs> so it's not really enough for someone to be full-time to begin with, and you need almost multiple people. Uh, so it's, it's really wild to start hiring a team and understand how much it really is going to cost. But again, we had some money to do it and I learned, I think this year, we'll talk about it later, but I'm definitely willing to take risks. And because I had that opportunity, I'm like, let's try this out and see how this goes. Now, what I realized pretty quick with take, like building up a team is that just because you delegate something doesn't mean that it's not gonna require work on your end, especially if you're gonna be a good leader and accomplish what you really need to. I, I feel like although we had like team meetings on Fridays and I was very involved with talking to people back and forth, I still felt like I was doing a lot of the work and I still felt like I was not leading them with the clarity that they needed just because I wasn't organized. You know, I don't really know what I'm doing either. So a lot of it takes figuring it out. So by the time you start going back and forth with so much instruction, you're like, dude, maybe I could have done that myself or also like, why, why was this such a frustrating process? Um, and with that said too, Dude, I, I, we had some great results this year. I, I think the branding of Dialed Health was the thing that was the most positive from the year. Like we've, we started the year with a different color logo. Uh, we had the yellow option. We had um, just a lot of like inconsistent branding. And I think throughout this year, we like nailed it over and over again. And that really has a lot to do with the team that was built up early in the year. So I'm stoked on that. So I'm putting money toward the team. I dropped 20 grand on the app right away. And that was just to get it started. And the reason I was able to start it for such a small amount of money was because we have already put at this point over six figures into the website platform. And so we were able to build it off of that, which even before the website was built, 
as a membership platform, that was the plan because I wanted to start with an app right away. And thankfully I had some really thoughtful uh, developers that were like, hey, listen, like you have to have a, a strong platform for an app to work well, and that's gotta be the website. So we listened to them, we took our time, we started the app, and that was really the beginning of the year, um, along with starting to do these new marketing projects. So I essentially was like, okay, what can we do while this app is being built to just get the brand bigger? And at that time, I was really inspired by the why, uh, by the impossible route uh, with the vegan cyclist. You know, those were different. They were super exciting to watch, super inspirational. And they also kind of tie into lifestyle and training, or I think they could pretty pretty easily. So I was like, you know what? I want to do kind of a version of that, which would be the Y Rides project. So we ended up putting together these big rides and they were, they were big, but they weren't like impossible, I guess. Uh, you know, they were rides where I knew that I could do them, but they'd still be a push. For example, we did one in March, which was this dream route in Sonoma. And it was these roads that were just incredible, super hard ride. It was like 14,000 feet of climbing, I think 155 miles, not easy, super chunky, rough roads. And we went out and did it, filmed it, had a great video. It got decent traction, but not great. Um, And I remember feeling the whole time, I'm like, you know what? This feels just kind of lonely. Like I'm out here doing this by myself. And the whole point of Y Rides was not make a video about why I ride my bike it's about why I train and the whole point is like okay I'm gonna go I'm gonna train so that when I get the opportunity to do my dream style ride my body's ready for it I'm prepared so I think the whole premise of it was good but at the same time it's like I go through this whole process and I'm trying to throw a Hail Mary when really we just need to move the ball up the field a couple of different you know yards every play and I say that because I, I wasn't really doing anything on YouTube at the time and I had no momentum. So if you just drop an amazing video on YouTube, but you don't have momentum or you don't have a following or people that are checking in on it, it's not going to have a lot of impact. It just isn't. And that's kind of what we felt from this wire eyes. And I'm like, okay, maybe the strategy of just trying to throw the Hill Mary with this project that costs thousands of dollars, uh, isn't the right move. Plus it did feel kind of lonely and just off. Like, I I feel like if I need to do something, it's gotta be like really borderline impossible and crazy, or it's not really worth it, you know, or I should just go vlog a big ride and call it a day. And I actually think that was the biggest motivation for the double Everest, which I did later in the year, because we even did another mountain bike ride, which it was more fun. It was with people. Uh, but it, it kind of confirmed that, okay, this is off just a little bit. So that brings us up to about sea otter, which is like April. And so we're building up the new team. We're doing these new forms of content and the app is getting built, but it's, the app is starting to take longer than I expected. I'm gonna grab a little sip of water. One sec. You know, I'm gonna pop off my sweatshirt too. See, this is the non-editing I was talking about because I cranked up the heater in my studio and it is pumping. I got grandma temperatures right now, hang on. Oh yeah. Okay, I'm happy I did that. So let's talk about April and approaching sea otter. So at this point, what I made the mistake of doing was talking about the app a lot because I mean, I really had no experience with how this whole process would work. And so, dude, I just, 
started talking about it, how excited I am. I started talking about features on it and it kind of put an emphasis on what the website was not because even though the website at the time was working really well and I think value wise for the cost was really, it, it, was, do, it was doing great. Um, but when I started talking about the app a lot, I noticed a lot more people say, hey, I'll come, you know, they would cancel and say, hey, I'll come back when the app's ready. And I started feeling this pressure of like, holy crap, like we gotta get this app released because it was happening more and more and more. And because I was so ingrained in the, the development process and like building it and working with the web team and putting as much money as I could into it, I was like, I was talking about it just too much. I'm shooting myself in the, it's like I was digging my own grave. And so I'm getting more feedback. I'll be back when the app's ready. You need an app, you need an app, you need an app. And so I'm pushing the web team super hard to get this thing out by Sea Otter because in my head I'm thinking, okay, at least I can walk around Sea Otter and show people firsthand what we've been working on. Like who knows what kind of little activation I could do, but I just wanted, this is like the official start of the season for a lot of like mountain bikers and people in Northern California. Um, and it was like the first stop of the Lifetime Grand Prix. It just was that point where I was like, okay, in my head, if we get it by Sea Otter, I'll be happy. And that came and went. And then it was like my birthday that we shot for the next uh, launch point, which was like May 23rd. And we ended up getting the app out, but it was rushed. And when we, when we dropped it, there was like problems with it right away. Like there was glitches. And honestly, you guys, that was one of the most disappointing experiences of the entire year because I had not only talked about this thing, but I built it up. I had missed deadlines uh, that I was just calling out and it finally launched and it wasn't working the way that it needed to. Like, it, like it didn't work as well the web, the mobile website. And dude, I just, I don't know. I, I was freaking devastated because I wanted, I wanted to freaking, I wanted to drop that thing and pop some bottles and celebrate. You know what I mean? I just wanted that moment where like, it's released, it's here, it's everything you've been hoping for and more, and, and it just wasn't. And so that's when I realized, holy crap, you know, I need to uh, I need to have like a really soft launch or I gotta be kind of quiet about this for a while. We're gonna have to work on this for a lot longer. And that was just a very hard pill to swallow. And I'll tell you since then, you know, it's been good that I haven't been hearing people say, you need an app, you need an app, you need an app. But now people just say, your app sucks. <laughs> your app's glitchy. Uh, this is clunky, this is not user friendly. And that's really just like negative stuff that I'll, that I'll get. Uh, you can't make everybody happy. Uh, there are some people that are incredibly happy with the app and, that make, and that's the majority, I think. But I still tell some people too, like you might have an easier time using the web version because we just have more development to do. And I know that sounds super transparent or like maybe too, too brutally honest because it's my own product. Um, but I can only say it confidently because I know that we do have the website and I'm really proud of the value of our cost versus what we offer. And I also know that we're, dude, we're so close on it. I mean, it's almost the new year uh, and we're at a point now where all the features that we want on it for the time being are there and we just have to keep cleaning it up. And actually a big problem that I've had is this mentality of like, someone hitting me up with a recommendation oh it would be great if you can uh you know track your weights in another format like kilos instead of pounds like which i'm like okay great that's an easy fix 
Uh, but then they would say stuff like, oh, well, I want to be able to move stuff around on the calendar on the app, or I want it to go to my Strava when I complete a workout. And I want to be able to make notes on my completed exercises. And like all these things are really great features, but I didn't realize how you can update a feature and it could mess up another feature if you don't properly beta test it. And even then, uh, somehow, like the weird stuff can happen where through the publishing process, there could be one uh, there could be one problem that all of a sudden now every time someone goes to record a workout, they get an error code. And it's this one thing that we didn't even anticipate. We tested for and it passed it and then it just comes out like a little wrong. And now all of a sudden it's a huge problem. So I did not put enough emphasis on correcting those problems or I haven't throughout the year when they should have been the top priority over new features. And I kept focusing on new features, new features, new features. Um, and now we're at a point where we have all these incredible features, but not everyone is having a smooth experience. Um, you know, myself included, like sometimes I'll go into the app and I'm like, dude, this is just not working the way that it should. And it's frustrating because I'm like looking at it and I know what's behind the surface of it. And I'm like, it's there, but I, it's not being used well. So. It's just that that's a brutal feedback on where we're at with the app right now. Some people are having a good experience, some people aren't. Uh, but again, I'm just proud of the overall product. People still have the website um, and there's a lot of value there. So we're getting close. I, I literally just had a conversation yesterday with <laughs> my development team and I said, hey, listen, we are not gonna do any, any new features until this thing is like flawlessly working. And we had like an hour long conversation just, just going through the nitty gritty and these are things I should have been doing all year long. And we did it a little bit, just not enough because I've been just trying to wear every single hat of the business. So that's kind of an update there. We fast forwarded it a little bit and there's been a lot learned in that process, which has been good, but it, I'll, I'll tell you, it's been painful. Like it is hurt and I've spent more money on this thing than anything in my life. Um, so yeah, it's, it's gonna be worth it. I know it is, um, I just have to keep pushing on this thing um, and also be honest about what, like I need to take people's honest feedback, whether it's good or bad, um, because there's times when people tell me that something sucks and they're right. And then there's time where someone, you can tell they just wanna complain about everything. Uh, so it's, it's almost easy to weed those people out, but I guess for people listening, I want you to know that it, it does hurt my feelings sometimes because I'm so emotionally tied to it, but not in the sense where I'm like mad at the person. It's more because it's so true. You know what I mean? I'm like, damn, they're right. They're right. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, anyways, the product development has been kind of brutal, but we're getting closer and closer. And I, I think the whole reason this process has been so brutal is because I've been too vocal about it from the beginning. Whereas we could have worked on it behind the scenes and been vague about what we're working on. And we could have been more patient and dropped it when it was more ready. Or we could have dropped a simpler product that worked better instead of focusing on adding new features. There's a lot of different things that we could have done um, that I now see in hindsight. Uh, but again, it's like now we're at a point, we have incredible features, we just gotta make it work better. And that's what we're focusing on. So I think when it gets to a point where I'm genuinely proud of it, where I can pull that thing out, everything's working the way it should be, then I will drop it. Like I will do an official launch for it. But that's still why you haven't seen an official launch for the app. So uh, anyways, that's kind of an update there. Let's go back to the Sea Otter and like my birthday time frame. So. At this point, um, I think my overhead for the business is about $12,000 a month. 
and this is me spending more than I could technically afford at the time because I have the investment money. And uh, by the way, I've already, so I put 20,000 toward the app, I'm already going into another 20,000 push toward the app, like the second chunk of that. And so already I'm noticing like, okay, after 12K a month, you know, I got 65 grand at the end of last year. And the, the point that we were gonna get more money was if, you know, once the 65K was done, if we showed enough improvement to justify another 65K that we would get it. And so I'm getting toward the end of that already. And this is about the time that Belgian Waffle Ride comes around because let me just tell you how this timing breaks down. So <laughs> I am get, starting to feel like I'm forecasting the money leaving faster than I'm gaining it, right? And so, at least for like a 12K overhead. Like <laughs> for me, that's insane. And so, or, or for like the overall gross volume of the business, that's like insane. So I'm like, all right. Um, also, my wife stopped working this year, just so you guys know. Like I had twins last year, uh, or she stopped working last year and she hasn't really been bringing home any income. And she used to do like 40% of our income. So that's just a whole other curveball is the fact that I have, you know, at the time, three kids under three years old at home and I'm paying for the entire lifestyle plus this overhead plus all this other stuff. So I go to Belgian Waffle Ride and this was a last minute trip actually because I did the Y rides and I realized, you know what? I should be out with the community. I feel lonely. Uh, these aren't really hitting because I don't have momentum. Uh, to begin with, I'm going to go and check out and see what this gravel stuff's all about. And if you're rolling in your grave right now thinking, you know, well, I guess if you're alive, it doesn't make sense. If you are freaking out that I called Belgian Waffle Ride in San Diego a gravel race, we can call it an unroad race. Long story short, it's a drop bar race. It's on road, it's off road, um, and it's just a big day on the bike. But we get out there, and dude, there's like 5,000 people on the star line, 6,000 people or something like that. Or maybe there was 4,000 on the, on the waffle and the way for the day before there's like 2,000. Long story short, I go to this event and I'm like, dude, this is, th I'm going to be honest. I'm like sold right now. This is where it's at. There's great energy. There's a mass start. And I talked about it on a podcast with Cody Kaiser about why gravel racing is working. And I think it's because it almost, almost has vibes of like a marathon where, you know, the pros are in the front. There's, there's like a very competitive piece of the field, but it's a very small percentage of the field that's competitive. But you all get to start together and feel that vibe and kind of space out, ride your own race. And so you have a shared experience with everyone. You know, when you see the time that the pros did, it's more relatable of how insane that time is because you can compare it directly because you're on the same track. And you just have thousands of people side by side that are going through this like battle. You know, it's the it's the pain bond. It's like a fear bond, but it's just you guys. It's the suffer bond. Excuse me. You guys suffer together. You cross the line. You know what it was like. You can cheers your drink at the end of the day, and it's just an experience. And that was something like I've never experienced before because I've come from mountain bike racing where it's one person on the track at a time, and people are spaced out. No one can really watch. Everyone's finishing um, in like, like, like it's just so spread out. I guess, you know, people finish at a different time in a gravel race too, but it's like, you can really feel the energy of event on like a mountain bike race where stuff is just, people are way more on their own terms, on their own schedule. 
And so, and they have their own experience too, because some people don't even ride the same courses. Uh, you know, when the pros talk about the course versus the the beginners, you know, the pros take such drastically different lines. Like, there's just such a wide gap, and it's harder to connect. And for me, I've been riding way more drop bar this year in general because road riding for me is so accessible at my front door. Uh, with the family and business and the new schedule, like to be able to get out when I have three hours and just smash on my road bike, like I've totally fallen in love with it. Uh, like I'm, I'm not even afraid to say anymore that's my favorite style of riding because I, I felt uncomfortable saying that for a long time uh, because I've grown up, you know, in the gravity mountain bike scene and I still ride my mountain bike, but it's even a little bit more, it's like a down country setup, you know, it's an aggressive XC bike. And <laughs> And I and I like riding that way because it's like for my time I get so much more out of it, and so for me making this personal transition to more drop bar riding, and to see the community the way that it was right away I'm like dude I need to really focus on this market because there's a huge boom in American gravel racing, um, really gravel racing worldwide, and so you you know even UCI is starting their own gravel scene with Worlds. Hey, I'm gonna take another sip. So yada, 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 you know where I'm going with this. Basically, I'm like, dude, I think that this is actually a good move uh, for my business is to focus on this a little bit more. I'm naturally going in this direction and obviously like the customers are there. And so if you've noticed this year that there's been a lot more drop bar content, you know, road, gravel, cyclocross, stuff like that, it is intentional. Uh, it's not just my own personal, like, you know, uh, preference. It's like, it, it's all kind of lined up together. And BWR was really the start of that. So another thing though, too, I'll say about BWR is that it was a major gut check into my own riding ability and what's possible for me on the bike. Because I was curious of how fast the gravel dudes really were, because I knew how fast all the gravity enduro guys were because I rode with them. I rode with world champions uh, in downhill, rode with world champions in uh, enduro, and I was close enough and raced these guys close enough to where I really understood the difference in speed and how they rode. And so I, I knew where I was at. Like I knew my real skill level in that scene. And I just didn't know where that would be in this other type of discipline. So with Belgian Waffle Ride, I set out and I was like, dude, I'm just going to hang with the front for as long as I can. And <laughs> dude, I blew up harder on this race than any ride I did. I blew up harder on this than I did with my double Everest because my pacing was so off. And because we were riding at such a high speed for the first 40 miles, like I couldn't get the nutrition in the way that I would normally do it. Cause I just felt uncomfortable. Like we're off road, we're in this fast paced group. I'm like, dude, I can't even take my hand off the bar for a gulp. And, and that's where, and I realized I was like, you know what? We're out for a 130 mile ride right now, on road and off road. And they're riding a pace that I would do a, like a two hour ride at. So that's, basically the point where I hung with everybody was about the two hour mark. And then I had the mechanical of my bars pushing forward because my stem bolts weren't tight enough. And that sucked because I think I would have actually hung on till maybe, I don't know, 50, 60 miles, but I still would have blown up. I still would have fallen off the pack. It wouldn't have lasted forever. So anyways, it showed me that these guys are so fast that unless I double my training volume on the bike, I'm not going to go legitimately compete for a, like a podium or something like that at a major gravel event. Like if I'm at a local race and just 
battling some local hitters, like maybe I could get like a top five. Like I did that at the Heart of Gold. Uh, and, you know, uh, Stetna was there. Uh, Levi Leipheimer was there. There were some fast guys, and I ended up fifth still, uh, which was really cool. So it's like I could go compete at local races for like a top five. But as soon as like real, like a, a number of real pros start showing up, like it is literally not a, it's not like a competition for them. Like I'm not going to go battle these dudes. And, if I wanted to, because do I think I'm physically capable of it? Do I think I have the talent and the ability if I put my mind to it? Yes, I do, but I don't want to do that. Like, I want to be dialed health. I want to build this platform and this business. And so that was a reminder. I'm like, okay, I feel like I'm closer to what my market is going to be. And I also feel like I know I'm not going to be a pro race guy. So I need to make sure I don't get too caught up in my old racing habits and my old mindset of got to train, got to do this, because it truly does not take priority. And I actually want to call out a Dialed fan member. I can't remember who it was, but this was one of the most helpful suggestions I've gotten all year long. And uh, hopefully this, this person's listening. They said that... You know, I think I was talking about BWR and he's like, Derek, you know, we don't follow you because you're like a pro racer. Like we, we don't expect you to go have these crazy results. The thing that we love about you as a coach is that we know you're out doing it like we are in the sense that you're out participating. You really understand what we're going through as the racers and as your members. Like when you say, hey, go and do this, it's easy for me to trust it because I know you're doing it. Like it's pretty much irrelevant whether you get a top five or or not. Um, like we just want to like know that you're out there doing it. And And he didn't use those exact words, but that was the gist of it. And for me, that was like the biggest relief because I was like, gosh, dude, he's right. You know, it's, he, I need to go out and be like, I need to teach people how to train. I need to teach people how to be healthy off of the bike. That's what they're coming to me for. And truthfully, that's what I'm an expert in. There is no one better at me than strength training for cyclists. There, there is no one better because there's no one who has my experience on the bike that has my, also my experience shared in the general fitness industry. And no one spent a longer amount of time trying to integrate the two specifically. Most of them are other ride coaches who just do a little bit of strength training. Most of them are, uh, you know, ex-pros who then became personal trainers. But actually, I mean, does any has anyone done? I don't even know if anyone's done that. I'm trying to think of the person that is smarter at strength training for cycling specifically. Um, I will say there was one guy in Australia, I think, that is doing some good stuff. But again, then you get to a point, I'm like, okay, what am I the best at? I believe I'm the best at strength training, building strength training programs for cyclists. But on another level, it's marketing for it. You can have some really, really smart dudes that don't know how to get their information out because they just don't know how to market or talk to people. And that's another thing I've learned is that I'm not that sciencey of a guy. Of course, I have to look at science to direct programming and, and use it as boundaries for certain things, but I'm not reading freaking research papers. I'm not getting into the weeds of like these very, very splitting hair topics that don't apply to the majority. I'm, I'm really that in-between person who's like, this is what I understand. Uh, in regards to movement, volume, but also I get the real life situations people are dealing with and I know how to talk to them and like bridge the gap. Like that's the problem. It's like I feel like I'm almost in between people who don't do any strength training and then like the major scientists. So it's, it's, 
it's really interesting um, where I feel like I found my specialty in, but those experiences this year have really shown me that dude, I need to focus on teaching people not only strength training for cyclists, but how to live off the bike for their overall health and well-being, all in a way that supports their riding at the end of the day. Uh, because that's kind of the disconnect with a lot of the general you know, health and wellness stuff out there. Okay, I got another sip, one sec. The last thing I'll say on this topic that I think confirmed what I'm talking about now is I recently, my most recent video on YouTube was a race vlog. And that race vlog is, uh, um, it's so funny. I just got a call from somebody <laughs> on my phone and I was like, dude, just call me anytime I'll pick up. And I'm of course recording this right now. It's all right. Um, so I did this race vlog and it was a pure race vlog. You know, there wasn't really any added value behind that. And it did horrible on YouTube, like really bad numbers. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is a confirmation that people don't really care that much about my race. Again, like the guy said, they wanna know I'm out there doing it, but it can't be the main focus of my content. And it's just a really good direction. It's like when people say, you know, like that they don't understand why their metrics are the way they are on pieces of content, it's, it's more so because I don't think they're being honest about what they really posted and where the value is at. Because like when people are like, oh, it's weird, this is such good content, but you know, like it didn't get good likes or it didn't get good engagement. It's like, no, it's because it wasn't good content. Like, I don't know how else to say it. it. It's because it was not actually good. Maybe you thought it was good for some reason, but it's not what your audience wanted. And so between all those experiences, I've, I've really realized that like coming into next year, I'm like, it doesn't really matter how I do at races. Like racing almost should not be my priority. It should be the training for the races that is the priority. So my plan with content in the upcoming year, you know, because I want to be out at events, like I genuinely want to go race. Um, you know, when I go and do like rock cobbler or something like that, which is, you know, this really gnarly, it's that, you, did you guys see the viral video, the guy getting hit by the bull like a bull charged him that's the race <laughs> it looks insane and there was two guys actually that got uh charged by bulls and uh yeah it looked pretty bad but anyways they uh <laughs> that's the race and i was like instead of just being like okay race vlog like i'm just out here riding because it's fun like i i should show you guys how i'm training for the race like, doesn't that sound so obvious? But it's easy for me to look at these influences I have, like let's just say the vegan cyclist, for instance, and be like, oh, I need to like really emulate this. When in reality, or, or I compare myself to a real pro racer who I'm like, okay, like they're putting out just racing content. But I'm like, dude, that's what this guy does. Like these guys follow Keegan Swenson because he is a pro racer. These guys follow Payson McKelvin because he's doing crazy FKTs across Iceland. You know what I mean? And like, that's not me, that's not my expertise. So it's like, stay in your lane. Um, anyways, I'm sorry if that was like too much into content, but I'm excited about having some more clarity on direction because it, it is hard to figure out like what you need to really, really focus on when you're willing to do other things and you feel pulled by your own influences. You know what I mean? So. Anyways, let's go back to the end of BWR because I came home from that race and realized that I was about to be out of money. Now, I have never had much savings and I would say it's not the most responsible financial predicament I've put myself in, but a lot of it has to do with my willingness to invest in my own business. And 
I say it like that because the truth is in the last six years since I've started Dialed Health, that's that that's all I've done is just reinvest into my own business. Like literally, um, it, it's kind of crazy actually to think about the fact that I've the like the amount of resources I've poured back into what I'm doing now. And I have an example with Double Everest later that we'll talk about, which will really put it into perspective. But I realized I was like, dude, you know, the website and the app, I'll, I'll just group them together. Our platform, Dialed Health, gross money-wise, we're doing better than we've ever done, but I'm still not making enough to offset the new cost I took on by building up the team and the investment money I have. Not only is it running out, but it's running out faster than I have really paid attention to. And I have done a poor job budgeting. So now I'm about to go into the negative and so I can basically let go of my team, but I don't want to burn a bridge and I, I didn't want to, you know, screw anybody over. I'm going to make sure I give them at least a month's heads up, which meant that I had to pay them. The, the way it worked out timing wise was I paid them and then I waited like a few days to talk to them about, you know, not being able to continue going forward. But then I still paid them the next month just to make sure that they were taken care of. But that came out of my own pocket and it came out of the very little savings that I had. And that freaking hurt. That one, that one was hard uh, to do, but it was the right thing. And I'm proud that I followed through with it that way because you know it's not fun to like have those types of conversations with people, especially people that are genuinely your friends that I care about. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just you know you really you really like these people, so it's it, it's a bummer. So, anyways, I tried to do the right thing there, but it screwed me over financially. So I get to this point where I'm like, dude, I have to scale down, scale down this team and pay them the additional month. I have, this means like stopping the podcast because I can't get it edited. Like what the heck am I gonna do? (laughs) So I'm making all these cuts and about the same time I'm thinking of new ways to make content. And I'll tell you one of the absolute highlights of the year is my Instagram blowing up and going viral. This I'll tell you feels like a gift from God, but I'm gonna also tell you that it was not like an accident. So since it was about spring, I everyone took a major hit with their engagement when Reels became a priority for Instagram. Like it was, it became obvious that there was an update and that all of a sudden Reels are the priority for the algorithm on Instagram. And you guys can see that now. It's like the majority of Instagram is Reels. Um, why they're doing it, everyone's saying it's like they're competing with TikTok, this and that. I'm sure there's some truth to it. I don't know why. I don't really care why, I just had to figure it out. And so I committed to only posting reels for a while, but dude, I had to freaking find out what worked. So if you go back to my feed, you're welcome to go scroll through, you'll see when I start posting more reels, opposed to all the uh, like the photo slides and everything, which by the way, I kind of miss that part of Instagram. We got really good at taking great photos and building stories and having the captions, like that became a thing. And it also became a place where I could get a lot of motivational content out. So. That's still something I'm trying to figure out how to incorporate, but you can see when I start posting reels that I'm trying to find it. You know, I post like, I posted all sorts of different stuff just to see what was kind of clicking. And then I'm scrolling through Instagram one day and there's this fitness influencer I follow and I'm like, I just, all of a sudden it caught his, sort of his uh, like formula for how he puts these things together. And I was like, you know what? I need to try something really similar. And what's this guy doing? And so I literally, go out 
And I filmed a Reels that was totally based around that. It was like, there's a problem, there's a solution, you get it in 15 to 20 seconds. It's very positive, it's got uplifting music, and it's like quick, clear, concise information. And also, one thing that was helpful is that a lot of my problems happen to be on the bike, and the solution is in the gym. And you could see how for my business, that's like the perfect scenario. And it's the truth. I mean, it's it's not like hard for me to put out this content. It's not even, it's not hard for me to sell my product because I, I believe in it so much. And you can't even like argue. I mean, people try and argue with it, but they're never like factual or experienced or like knowledgeable. <laughs> like they're just, they're just freaking angry. So it's like, it's so easy for me to, genuinely talk about my product and and like when i make these reels i'm excited about it because i'm like gosh this this is just something someone can really do and it's going to reach more people so i i started this type of format and right away nothing went viral but i was like oh this is the best uh, this is the best engagement i've gotten on a post in a long time like it's been probably four or five months since i've had a post that reached this amount of likes or reshares or i can't even remember what metrics i was looking at but i was like i can tell this is working the following week I did one really similar and it did even better. And it was funny because on my story, I still have the video on my phone, but I remember saying, I'm so grateful. I feel like I just found a rhythm that I can plug and play because it is so hard to reinvent the wheel with content, you guys. Like when you're constantly thinking of, you know, like what do I do that is new? And you have to do that every single time you post. It, it's it's exhausting and it's really inefficient. It's like way better to have somewhat of a formula and then you can plug in stuff to it and it's gonna be more valuable. And then you end up getting better content because you have a little bit more guidelines. So you can see where I'm going with this. Like I started doing these reels and dude, I just like the next one would do a little better, next one would do a little better. And then all of a sudden I had one, it was this knee pain video that went viral and it was so, freaking exciting because dude i you know was getting like a thousand followers overnight or two thousand followers a day or you know i'd have a post i'm like dude this is i remember the first post being like well this is about to hit fifty thousand views and then all of a sudden being like oh my gosh like there's no way this is going to pass a hundred thousand views and then you get to the point where you're like dude this this post has over a million views and now that video has over 3 million views and it's like they still keep cranking and so I go from <laughs> I had these multiple months where I just keep plugging the same format and there's some variety different styles of bikes core workout knee pain uh, we have like climbing workout we have like a neck pain like all these different varieties but it's still in the same type of formula and it's just hitting and hitting and hitting and then actually people are reaching out for a legit brand dealership or uh, brand deals with like salary, like stuff I've never experienced. And also it made me realize how much money people can actually make on social media alone. It was very, very eye-opening and uh, that did slow down. Uh, but even after it slowed down, it's like there's been a steady momentum where I remember my page stopped going viral after I hit like 113,000 on Instagram. And I, right before that, I had just hit 20,000, um, which, if you even knew you guys how much hard work I put in to hit 10,000, I mean, I had a, a bet with a buddy uh, that took two and a half years to get to 10,000 and the winner got a free steak dinner. And then uh, it took me another year and a half to hit 20,000. And then literally in five months, 
I went from 20,000 to 113,000. It was not even five months, four months, three months, maybe it was like three. And it was viral. And then all of a sudden it slowed down significantly to there was one day where I actually lost more followers than I had gained. And I was like, okay, it's over. I was like, damn it. But you know, I, I'm not mad. I'm just like, how do we, how do we reignite this? Uh, and then since then, we've had a couple more viral posts, and it's just been this more steady gain to where now we're getting close to 140, and uh, it's really had a huge impact on the business. Like, it just opportunities across the board. So I'll tell you, although it feels like a gift from God, because it is, there was a lot of intention behind those posts. And even now going forward, like I'm starting, I did my first partnered post. Uh, it didn't do very well, but but I'm starting to like branch out a little bit and it's like restart to try some stuff again. So it just, it felt very, very good to have that pure success in one area. Um, that, that was just so obvious, you know, it was, it was really cool. So that was great. Um, and that was right after I had scaled down the team and this, by the way, the coolest thing about the Instagram post is that I film them all myself on my phone. And so I edit them. I am capable of producing this content myself and with the exception of some of the riding clips. Like a lot of times I'll go out and do ride clips with a videographer and then we'll have them to use and then I can film the rest myself. Um, so it's not just me, but it's a very manageable uh, I would say affordable way for me, or affordable in the sense that I can actually afford it, um, way for me to get content that I need. So I think for me, scaling down the business at that time was hard because I was very scared of like, how the heck am I gonna get content out to members and grow the business and do all this stuff with less money? But also like I had that rhythm hit and it just totally, like it just helped me so much. <laughs> so. Anyways, I talk about brand partnerships. Um, and at this point though, I'm starting to get my like financials in order a little bit better as we approach double Everest, because I'm like, okay, like this is what we've learned from this year with the team so far. Um, if I'm gonna do a gnarly ride, it needs to be like out of control gnarly or it's not worth it. It's gotta be super uh, affordable content that I can replicate or it's gotta be so insane that people have to take notice. And that's where the double Everest, like where I really committed to it and started talking about it more and more. And so it was about June, like once we were two months out, I started talking about it saying, hey, on August 19th, I think it was, at 9 a.m., I'm gonna double Everest on my bike. And I didn't say exactly where it was, but I was calling it out and I'll tell you guys, the pressure and the nerves of having that looming in the, in the distant future became very heavy. It just, be, like as it approached, it became heavy. And I knew we needed to document it. So it was starting to get the logistics together, paying for costs for flights and travel and uh, the videographer, photographer. And long story short, we get the project done. I'll tell you without a doubt, it's the coolest thing I've ever done on a bike. One of the coolest moments I've ever had with my own dad, um, something I think that will be incredibly like, like it's just one of the most proud moments I've ever had in my life was completing that ride because of how hard it was. And also when we launched it, dude, it has 
over 50,000 views on YouTube, which is huge for me. That's my own network, you know what I mean? And I got to plug every brand that's been supporting me heavy in it. And I felt so good about doing it because Specialized, Garmin, Bear Performance Nutrition, LEL, these people came in and supported me with a bike, with, uh, you know, like the head units, the nutrition, uh, the riding kits, like all these things that I needed to get this job done. And it just felt like this super proud moment to where like, this is the coolest thing I could ever do on a bike at this given time. We executed it, we captured it, and we gave a shout out to the people that were supporting me. Um, and we got to show my family, we got to, sh we got to talk about dialed health and the dialed fam. And, you know, it's, it was like just that well, that was the biggest highlight of the year. You know, the Instagram blown up was great, but this was that one thing where I was like, you know what? I am so proud of this. And of all the, I think, things we did this year, I think this whole Double Everest project is the most proud, is the thing I'm most proud of because not only did we call it out, we executed it, we filmed it. Zach Youngberg absolutely crushed it on the video. The photography we got from Brady Nations was unbelievable. And we were able to give that back to our sponsors. We had a big hit on YouTube that gave us momentum, uh, built over, gave us over a thousand extra subscribers on the page. And so it just did all these positive things. But then I followed it up with a premiere that was super professional. We had huge giveaways and the thing was, it costed a lot of money. <laughs> so like, let me just say, I don't regret anything about the Double Everest. It was, I think, the mo one of the most proud individual projects I've ever done and the coolest thing I've ever done. And we executed it all the way till the end through the premiere, which was over a month out. And thanks to Kinetic Bike Shop for letting us uh, do it at their shop. It was so cool. Like, Dude, I hired a full team to set up the projector, the sound, we had microphones. Garmin brought Dave uh, Toll in who did the, uh, like he interviewed me after announcing we had the Garmin race. It was just like, it was freaking awesome. We had over a hundred people show up and um, that though freaking drained me again financially, which was super hard. Let me grab another sip. So that project, zero regrets on this um i i spent over ten thousand dollars on the double everest project with the within two months now like i said earlier i don't have much of a savings like personal or through the business um and so i'll tell you that was like like ten thousand dollars like at at the time is more than what was in my personal savings account uh for my family uh, and I, that was an extra expenditure that I put into that project that um, w was just a single thing. And that I think is an example of the type of risk I'm willing to take and, and what I'm willing to sacrifice for the business because, you know, it's like a lot of people just wouldn't do that. Like a lot of people would be like, this is gonna cost how much? And then they look at their own bank account, they consider all these factors and whatever, and they'd be like, no, that's too much money. But like, you know, you can just say that I'm naive or whatever, but this is, it, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because you end up with stuff you're incredibly proud of, but it's a curse because you can put yourself in a hole. Like you can really, you can cause and create bigger problems than you can almost come out of. And so that was an example where like to me, it, it was a very small amount of money compared to what I've invested into the business this year. And it was just like a moment in time. And for me, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Like, of course, I like, this is worth it. 
Uh, but that should give you an idea of how willing I am to just pour everything back into the business because I think that alone would just stop people. You know, like think about the studio I built when I, you know, when I was just training people in person before the online, I went from, I went across town, opened my own studio, quadrupled my overhead, took out a $40,000 loan to open the gym. I had zero savings. I was working another, actually at that time I had quit my other part-time jobs, but I had just got married. My wife, uh, right after the gym got pregnant. It's like, dude, you know, these are just the things that you have to do to get forward. And thankfully, if you're smart with it, like it's a momentary, uh, we could call it uh, debt and then you can pay it off or whatever. But long story short, double Everest was expensive. And then I get through that and I'm like, okay, I'm getting better on top of my finances, but this project has screwed me. Like the timing was horrible because I was just getting out of the hole that of the overspending from the the money from the investment, which by the way, we didn't get more investment money because I was talking to my investor, thankfully we're friends, and we, we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, okay, was there growth in the business? Yes. Was it insane? No. Um, but is more money going to solve any problems that we have right now? I was like, not really. <laughs> not for business growth specifically. Like for for the real purpose of the investment, no. And the problem is, if you say yes to more money, you can just dig yourself in a more of a hole if you don't have clarity on the direction. And I think at that time when it ran out about May, I'm going through these transitions and I'm like, I actually don't have enough direction to use this money in a confident way. And so I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not taking any more money. And even my investor was like, listen, dude, I, I will give this to you, but like, I don't want you to put yourself in too much of a hole. And so I'm, I'm stoked he said that because he was right. And then going into the double Everest, I just realized, I was like, gosh, if I even had more budget, I probably would have just blown more money. <laughs> and so, I don't know, it's, uh, it's interesting because I am proud of how I've gone about that whole situation, uh, but I've had to learn the hard way also. And it's making me so much more, I, I wanna say like, I, tame is the wrong word because I have more urgency than ever, but I'm also realizing that I'm, I'm literally willing to write checks my tush can't cash. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm riskier than, I'm willing to take more risk than for my own good. Uh, I'm actually so like willing to take risk that I could actually really, really hurt, like hurt stuff in my life. And I think that's, I think that is where it's a bad thing, but what's hard is pulling back from it through the experience, through the maturity and, and really understanding, okay, I can do this, but most likely this could be a result of it and it's not worth it. When that happens in my mind, I feel like a, like a, I, there's a word I want to say right now, but I'm not going to say it. I feel like a punk. I feel like a wuss. Uh, and what I'm thinking of kind of rhymes with that. I just feel like, <laughs> I feel like your boy needs to step it up. And it's like, dude, what's your problem? Push, who cares? Like, go for it. Um, and, but now I'm just realizing, I'm like, okay, like I'm willing to do that beyond a point. It's my own good. And I need to recognize that and realize that it's okay to be strategic and being strategic does not mean that you are not 
doing whatever you can for the business. So it's a different mindset. I've almost never had this before where you go from like sowing all these seeds to actually tending to the crop. And that's where the business is at because we have a legitimate, uh, you know, base of business and we have customers and we have people and like things in place that we built up that we really need to tend to and nurture uh, so we can have a true harvest because I just get in this mode where I'm like, plant more seeds, plant more seeds, plant more seeds. And it's like, dude, these things are ready to, these things, like these other seeds are ready. Like stop, like you're, like you have to accept that life can produce more than you can manage. And that's, that is one thing I've learned this year. I'm like, dude, this business, I can do more than I can manage. And so, of course, I just hear people in my head. This is when people are like, oh, you need to delegate, hire the team. But I'm like, okay, I, I know that if I do that now, it needs to be a way slower process than what I did previously. Like I have to know specifically what I need to hire for someone for. I have to put them in that role, let them sit there for a while, see the results, and then go for maybe another new hire. Like I'm not going to just throw a bunch of money into a team without understanding results in the future. That, that's just not going to happen anymore. So basically, double Everest ends. I start getting consistent on YouTube. I start learning how to edit YouTubes. I had one of my videographers actually teach me how to just do some basic editing. I did that video I talked about, the race recap didn't go well. I did some other videos on YouTube that have done really well. Um, and they've been very specific about strength training for cyclists, go figure. <laughs> um, I did that heart of gold gravel race. Um, that was actually really great, performed great, it was awesome. And I think that whole race went in a way that I need to replicate because I showed up, I was out there with the community, I did some brief coverage on my Instagram story and moved on. And that's it. And that's that's totally fine. I think I could have done a YouTube video again about maybe my training and preparation for it. But like to vlog the whole event, I don't even think was worth it. And I didn't. And that race just had great all around feedback, quick, easy, a little credibility built with the brand because uh, I ended up placing pretty dang well. Uh, I did my first cyclocross race, I first two at the end of this year. Uh, one of those was the race vlog, but on there, just got to experience a new style of racing uh, and see how rad that culture was. And then it comes to the big finale. Are you guys ready for this? Okay. So the last couple, uh, I, not even the last couple of months, the last month has been insane. So I get to a point with the end of the double ever spending where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have got to reel this in. I need to get on top of my finances. Thinking about my situation, um, I stopped training all people in person and um, because I'd, I'd taken on a few a few clients over the summer. And so that, that was, I didn't even talk about that, but that was a whole other interesting uh, moment. I think that was after Belgian Waffle Ride and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to make money. Like what can I do to supplement the business online? Blah, blah, blah. Long story short, that was like a short time period. Uh, and I already missed those people I was working with. But basically, we get to a point where I'm like, dude, I need to figure out how to cut down my overhead. And so we the obvious thing that comes to mind is the studio because I pay like $2,300 a month just for my studio. And oh, wait, how did this come up? Okay, so here's what happened. My landlord reached out to me um, and he said that, hey, your lease is up, which I forgot. Thank God this guy takes care of me because I wasn't even paying attention to when my lease was up at my studio, okay? That should give you a mindset of like how, like how much of an idiot I can be. So 
I don't, I, I didn't even realize my lease had come and gone. He's like, hey, we're month to month. That was part of the agreement. Uh, thankfully, uh, he wasn't just giving me the boot. He said, I have another studio for you to rent uh, in a nearby town. So this is a be up in Auburn. Beautiful space, brand new, a little bit bigger, better uh, format, like more useful square footage than I have. And he's like, you could actually buy it from me and you could own it. And this could be your first piece of commercial real estate, but it needs all the TI work. It needs, it's gonna be $1,000 extra a month for your mortgage and yada, yada, yada. So we're going through these expenses. And right away, just the way I think, I'm like, boom, this is an opportunity. I have to take it. This is incredible. And the truth is, it is an incredible opportunity. It's super hard to get started with commercial real estate. Uh, and so I'm like, okay, like this is incredible. This dude is literally trying to set up my retirement plan for me. And so I'm beyond grateful for this opportunity. We start looking into it. I go, I'm looking at the place. I'm visualizing it. I'm getting into the nitty gritty. And then it just hits me. I'm like, I'm about to go into more debt to build out a studio to own, which I don't really need because that's, that's what I realized. When I was building the studio out, he was like, hey, write down the perfect place and like all the stuff that you need. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't really need this place. Like I'm trying to visualize why I need all these things, but I don't really need it. And then it hit me too that like a year ago, my parents came to me and they're like, yo, why are you spending rent at your house and rent on your studio when you could just buy a home with like a detached garage and move your gym into it? Um, and by the way, some context, I rent my house now that I live in from my, my uh, sister-in-law, which is a really incredible deal. We're super happy there. And uh, you know, we've never been in a rush to buy a house, but the reality of paying so much in rent and you're paying rent at your studio, like it just, you all of a sudden start thinking like, wow, I, I am extremely stupid. Like for, like I paid 50 grand in rent last year, like in total between the business and uh, my, my house. So it's like, why, dude, why am I doing this? So at the time I told my parents, you know, and I'm stressed out with the kids and everything. And I'm like, no, I gotta get out of the house. Like I can't get any work done at home. And I think there was some truth to that, but that had come back in my head when I was, you know, envisioning this new studio because I'm like, dude, I don't really need it. And also I could just, I could buy a home, build up an actual mortgage and build out the garage and, and do the work from home. I'm like, that's like a double whammy. And I'm in a position now where the, the lease is done at my studio. So then I'm thinking, okay, we got to go look at some examples of the type of home we'd want. Of course, we find the, what feels like the most perfect house ever. Perfect side of town, awesome neighborhood. Price point is what we were going for. It doesn't have a detached garage, but it has a split garage where it's a two car and a single car. I'm like, dude, freaking get out of here. I love this place. We take our kids, they're running around on the inside. My mother-in-law does real estate, so she's letting us in. It's just like, you know, you see your kids running around in a house that you want, and right away, it's that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, like I don't even, I can't, I don't wanna get more attached to this place. You know, get me out of here. Uh, but of course we try and buy it. <laughs> so we go through this lending process and pretty soon we realize we're like, we're actually are not in a position to buy it. And I can, it, it is a little bit complicated as to why. Of course it comes down to like a money issue, but at the same time, it's not as like obvious as, you know, you just can't afford it. And and you guys, you've heard me on this podcast. If I couldn't afford something, I would, I would freaking tell you. But like, it was 
there was more involved with it. That's all I got to say. It was going to be more complicated. It was at the point where you start going through these little like uh, hoops and you're like trying to figure out how you can work and all this, all this stuff. And you're like, okay, this is getting too complicated. I just feel like we should give it more time and be more patient. So we get that vision. My wife and I talk about it and we're like, okay, let's just, let's actually get to a place where we don't have to go through all these little hoops just to get this house. Let's do it in a way that's way more healthy, way more stable, and let's take the next year or two to get there. And so I'm like, okay, how would that happen? How would we literally do this? And I'm like, well, I can't get past the idea that I don't need my studio anymore. And I think that's what's so crazy because I've never thought this way. And so I was like, wow, like I should probably get rid of the studio and build out our garage and I can still film content. I can still use it as my office and be at home. And now all my bike stuff will be in one place. It'll save on commute time. Like this could actually be a really good thing. Also, it could come with other complications as to, you know, my my three-year-old opening the door and running out and roaring at me like a T-Rex when I'm trying to do a podcast like this. So like, I don't know what, I'm not saying it's going to be this perfect situation, but I am saying that I'm going to be saving, you know, close to $2,500 a month right off the top from the studio. And I can actually start saving some money for my family. And because I'm cutting back on some uh, work through other content creators, because I'm learning how to edit, like I'm essentially getting to a place where I can put out content that is more frequent, that hits with the audience, and I can get the business to a healthier place uh, financially and even my own personal life even healthier financially to the, to the goal of buying a home, you know, with uh, with the fam. So it's crazy. Uh, I haven't talked about this at all, but my, my studio build out in my garage is almost done. Of course, this has come with, you know, <laughs> dude, it's cost me $5,000 just to build out my garage and I'm still paying rent at the studio and it's Christmas. And like, I barely got sort of caught up from the double Everest. I'm just like, dude, oh, and my app expenses, you guys, higher, we <laughs> higher app last year or last month, I spent an extra, like it's over five grand on the app, an extra, you guys, I already pay over a thousand dollars a month base for like the hosting and the, like, there's just a couple things going on. So. I'm, I'm not saying this in a sense that I'm um, resentful in any way, but what's frustrating is that I'm still not proud of the app because of what I said earlier. And also the timing of all this stuff is at a point now where I'm like, oh, I'm now more on top of my product and I'm more on top of the health of the business than ever but I'm also unveiling all of these issues and it's requiring more money to get out of them. And so it's all happening in a very short period of time and it's, it's been very, very stressful, but I know that within, I mean, right now I'm recording this, it's right before Christmas, it, right before, I, I think honestly, by the time we get to March, it, it's going to catch back up and the good decisions are gonna actually prevail. Uh, but until then, it's going to be kind of a push to get there. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I'm excited. I have I had really, really good talk with the web team yesterday about everything, like brutally honest, like to make progress. And going into next year, it's like, dude, I I want to not be afraid of necessary endings. Like I want to get comfortable with the necessary endings. And like this studio is an example of one, certain types of content, my racer mentality. Like these are all things that 
they're good things, but they need to end so that other parts of the business and like my life can bloom. You know, it's like I'm, I'm actually reading a book called Necessary Endings right now, and it's incredible to hear about even the pruning of a rose bush and how it produces more life than it can sustain. And actually, if you don't prune a rose bush, there are buds that aren't like healthy that will strangle out super healthy buds. And if you don't cut them away, those really healthy buds won't ever bloom. And it's just this analogy for your work life. It's like there are all these great avenues you can take, but you need to remember that if you allocate your resources to one thing that's okay, it's actually taking away from the thing that's great. And I think the thing that we do great as Dialed Health right now is our product, our branding, and our, our, I would say our content. I almost said community, but I actually feel like I haven't done a good job of that lately. And, and the recent like app updates don't feel like the product has been there but the content has been it's like we like from uploading new programs to getting out material for people to do and i don't know it's uh it, it's so easy for me to be very very meticulous about the business and to be very n- negative about it because I'm, I'm i'm harsh on it you know it's like i have no problem with brutal honesty um and it doesn't highlight all the positive things that are happening. Like, like literally on, a, on almost a daily basis, I have people tell me about the incredible results they're getting with my product, and it makes me so proud. I mean, I've literally had uh, wives reach out and say, like, thank you for helping my husband because of X, Y, and Z. Like, that depth of fulfillment has come from the product and why I'm so passionate about it. But, you know, it's taken a long time to kind of find it. And I, I guess looking into the year, let me recap what I've learned and also what I'm kind of going into the new year with my strategy. So what I've learned this year, 2022, let me take a sip of water. I've learned I'm willing to take risks. More doesn't mean better. Get comfortable with necessary endings. Take responsibility and don't burn bridges. What... I've learned that I need to ask myself, what am I best at? And what do you do easily that other people struggle with? You have to do that thing. I'll tell you, the thing I do easily that other people struggle with is consistency, for one, and and encouragement. Um, Those are two things that I do naturally that other people do struggle with. And I can get that out through my content. Also, the thing I've learned is that my brand motto, Start Moving Forward, freaking works. Everything I've talked about, think about the wide variety of races I did, mindset I had, uh, like things I've in, invested in, how I pivoted throughout the year, all with the same goal. And I'm, in a way, it's like I'm leaning out in a way that I'd never thought I'd have to. Like I'm literally pruning the business right now with so much of this experience under my belt that it's all it's all start moving forward. If I had not gone through any of these experiences this year, like I would not, I wouldn't be any closer to where I'm at now. It's like you have to start moving forward because if you get an inkling that you need to do something, you you pretty much got to go do it so that you can get the direction from that. And so that's what I'm proud of, dude. I, I can literally look back at this year and be like, you know what? First off, I did a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> Secondly, there wasn't one thing that I thought I needed to do that I did not take action on, period, end of story. 
And that is the type of thing where, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of that. And, you know, it comes with good, it comes with bad. Um, but in looking back on it, I'm like, damn, dude, I'm proud of myself for pushing the way that I have and, and, and just continuing to move forward. You know, it's, uh, it's super cool. That's why the brand motto is what it is. Um, so 2023 strategy, uh, prune the business. <laughs> no new product features on the app until it works incredibly. Budgeting, more frequent content, uh, and more, per- more of a focus on the personal side of my brand. Um, I think that what I've realized this year too, I didn't talk about it a lot during this hour, but a lot of people follow Dialed Health because it's just me. And I've tried to make the business bigger than me the entire time. I've actually held back a lot from the personal side to it, uh, which some of you might find surprising, but I can't tell you how many times I've been like, oh no, like that's too much about me and I'm not enough about the brand. But I think I do want to talk about myself more because I really am the brand at this point. And I think for the first time ever, I'm, I'm comfortable admitting that. It's like I, I wanted it to be bigger than me from the start because I wanted the business to feel bigger than just me. And I'm realizing the flaws that can come with that if you don't have things in place. Like it will happen naturally and I don't need to rush it or put on some kind of front that there's this huge team working behind Dialed Health because right now it's me. It's some freelance photography and videography work, uh, freelance designer. And then I have the web team, which I hire, which is Modern McGuire Productions. And they have a total team of three people that work on Dialed Health specifically. So I actually do help, I guess, I don't want to say help employee, but like I pay for these services to build out the team. But like I am the only Dialed Health person. Like when you send a contact us form on the website, it comes to me. When you send a program recommendation, it comes to me. When you send, like when you DM me on Instagram, it's me. Like it's us, that's all me, dude. <laughs> and so I, I think for the first time, I feel comfortable being like, it is all me and that's okay. Um, when the business is ready, it will be bigger uh, and it won't just be me. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for the people who came on the team this year to help me get that experience. And, um, you know, there was, it was crazy. Besides the branding benefit, I've really learned that I can teach a trainer. Like shout out to Josh because for a while he was doing emails and I was like, dude, I trained him up on these emails and he, dude, he would reply and he would say it was from Josh. It was very clear. It was not from me, but he literally would write exactly what I would have written. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I actually felt like I did a good job training him in that role. And so that was another positive thing. So anyways, um, yeah, I'm going to be okay with the brand being more about me personally. And also that's going to be another revenue stream for me uh, with brand deals, which is pretty significant actually. Um, And that's, oh, we have a sponsored rider for next year. I'm gonna sponsor one rider and we're gonna pour into that rider and see how that whole experience is. Uh, We're gonna announce that pretty soon. And also just having more patience in general. You know, I think, like I said, there's a time for sowing seeds in a business and there's a time to tend and nurture like the growth of those seeds and that's where I'm at right now with the business we have a great base platform built and I really want to nurture it and not rush the growth because the growth will come when it's ready and I'm super proud of where we're at you know we had that goal of breaking through a thousand members active on the website we blew through it and you know it's 
like it's kind of insane actually you you know the last thing i'll say on this podcast because this went way longer than i expected i thought this would be 30 minutes (laughs) it's an hour and 15 in you know the amount of transition i've had in my life in the last six years since i've gotten married is freaking insane you know and the fact that the business is where it's at I'm just so proud of that because it could have failed or it could have been flatlined or it could have been whatever, but we have steadily grown. And in my, in my opinion, like with a lot of like respect from the industry and athletes and the community, it's like, I think there's, there's just a lot of really good people behind the brand. And so the fact that we have continually grown that and built the product through, let me just say, you know, me going full-time online with going through COVID, uh, having three kids, and also changing my audience from majority mountain biking to majority drop bar. Those are all huge things we've gone through with the investment, the non-investment, these crazy challenges. Like, it's insane to me that we have gone through and overcome those things or that I've gone through and overcome those things and the business is at where it's at. I mean, I'm super proud of it, you guys. Like I I can absolutely hang my hat on this year, even though there's things I can pinpoint that I'm not proud of specifically, like as a whole, I'm so stoked. And uh, there's just been a lot of work put in that I think will benefit me in upcoming years that I don't even see yet. And with that said, too, um, I think that getting the business healthier in the upcoming year and thinking more strategically is going to allow for opportunities that are out there that I don't even know are there yet. And I think there's probably stuff that I've missed in the last couple of years because I've been so busy and so pulled in so many different directions that there could have been something there that I kind of missed. And I, I think that, let me, let me give you my prediction. Here's what's going to happen. I'm making the changes that I'm talking about now. And I want to tell you in full confidence, everything I said I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. I, I trust, I follow through with the promises I make to myself because when it comes down to it, at the end of the day, and I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something. I have a record of proof to stand by that. For myself, I don't even need to show it to other people. I don't know. I don't need someone to just believe everything I say for me to believe myself. So, everything I said about getting the business healthier, it's probably going to take till March till I see some actual change in stability. I can have this personal growth toward actually buying my own house. We're moving the gym into my studio or, or at, into my garage. All these little things. These are these are going to happen. But here, here's what I think is going to happen. We're going to get the business healthier than it's ever been. I'm going to get an opportunity probably from another brand that sees greater potential than I can see maybe in what I'm doing. And that is going to be that, – that is going to help take us to, I think, the next level of bringing back a team and actually building this business up bigger than myself. But I think it's going to take me getting 
stable enough to where I can take advantage of the opportunity because there are already things that I just have to say no to right now. Um, but I want to get myself in a position to where not only are the members happier and prouder than ever to be part of the dialed fam. And I, and I want it to really mean something that people are part of the dialed fam, but I'm going to be sitting in a position where I'm going to have some leverage and I'm going to have the ability to act on a real opportunity. And I don't even know what that's going to be yet, but there's going to be something that comes up and I'm going to be ready for it. And I'm going to take the bull by the horns end of story. I know that's going to happen. And, uh, it, it, it might not even be another outside brand. It's, I don't know what it's going to, I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be something. Um, it's, it's absolutely going to be something. And you know what, at the end of the day, like, <laughs> you know, you don't, you know, you, you think about worst case scenarios sometimes you're like, Oh, worst case scenario, I can do this. Worst case scenario, you do that. I'm just stoked I can be a trainer. <laughs> Training's rad. I'm in a great industry. You know, I, I sometimes I go into Chipotle and I'll see someone working at Chipotle, middle-aged, and I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, I can't go back to this. Like, there's like this fear of like going back to that. And who knows anything can happen, but um, I always have to remember, I remind myself too that I'm like, dude, you know, you might have to change industries at some point if you needed to, I guess. But like, you you're you don't have to go back to that. You're like you're elevated enough to. And this is not like a specific knock on anyone, but as someone who's worked in every restaurant, shaken signs, washed dishes, delivered pizzas, done boxes, done receptionist work, done all that stuff, it's like, like, I know that everything I'm going through now it's the start moving forward to something even bigger and better, like always, you know? So it's like, it's funny because people ask me like with dialed health, like what the future is. And it's like, dude, I, I don't exactly know. I know what I want it to be. I get new visions. Like I've been thinking lately, like how sick would it be to be like sponsor a world tour team one day? Like what if it got that big? Like look what Zwift has done. Like look at what Zwift has done in the last five years. Think about that. And so, it's freaking endless guys, but that's why I love it. I, I, this is why it'd be so hard for me to work for anyone else because it's the unlimited potential that fuels me. It just fuels me. Anyways, I'm getting BO because uh, I'm getting so fired up over here. So I'm gonna cut it right here, you guys. Thanks for listening. Um, if you are a regular listener to the podcast, um, I'm sorry that there have not been regular episodes of the podcast. It's because of all the reasons earlier, I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, but thanks for the support. Thanks for following along for the ride. And, uh, dude, I'm so hyped to just continue the growth. So, um, anyways, that's it. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Stay tuned for the Dial Health Shred. And think about your last year. Set up some goals for 2023. Um, I, I told you guys my strategy. I didn't tell you my specific goals. Like, it's just, it's specific. It, it's a lot of financial goals I talked about. Um, you know, saving a certain amount of money, blah, 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 whatever. Um, five watt per kilo is like one because i've been at 4.8 for so long but anyways there's other there's specifics but go through this process honestly account for uh what you have done good and bad this year and uh help it guide you for the upcoming year let's crush it 
we'll start moving forward and um, I'll see you guys sooner than later. Talk to you soon. Not next week, but sometime soon. <laughs> Go to the YouTube channel if you wanna see new up content. That's where I'm really trying to focus on. Um, anyways, I gotta go. Later, guys.